Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Right. Well, first I'd like to give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who truly is the head of my life. Um, giving honor to my wife who's um, joining us today. I tell you, she overcame a lot of stuff to get here, but she's here. Amen. Also giving honor to Pastor Johnson for just giving me just this little moment to bring forth the Word of God. I do appreciate that. And I tell you, this message is so fitting when we're talking about Christmas. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to start with the book. We're going to read from the book of John, chapter 12, verse 20 to 27. So if you would, stand with me in honor of God's Word. All right, John chapter 12. I told Strickland I was coming from Luke. I forgot where I was coming from. But John chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 20 to 27. Are you there? Amen. This is some good stuff. Here we go. Listen to this. It says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Listen to what he said. Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now here we go. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Somebody should have said amen right there. He said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I had to praise him by myself on that one. That's some good stuff. Don't miss that one. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, listen to this. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Good Lord Almighty. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, oh wow, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. It says, now is my soul troubled. Wow, Jesus knew what was happening here. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But listen to his response. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Let's pray. Father God, we come once again just thanking you for your word. Oh, how powerful is your word. And Lord God, we just thank you today that we can look at your word and Lord God, see what you have for us today. And Lord God, we just ask that you bless the remaining of this service. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I don't know about you, but that was some good reading. I would like to title this sermon and listen to the title because it'll help you here. On the mission of bringing forth fruit. You know, we often talk about Jesus being born a child in a manger. We often talk about that. But if you know that, does anybody know what a manger is? A manger is nothing more than a feeding trough. Look it up. It's nothing more than a uh, feeding trough. So we always hear the babe and the maven. But think about this. He's all, Jesus is also known as what? The bread of life. And God placed him in the manger so that we can feed upon him. Good. Did you get that one? 
manger, the bread of life, that we can partake of them. He said, whosoever will, let them come. Good, the feeding trough. We always hear that manger. What is it? That's good stuff. But then, let's get back to the sermon here. Um, um, Verse 20 here, this is very good. Don't miss this. You know, there was some, you know, everybody knows that Jesus came to the lost sheep of Israel. Are you with me? Everybody knows that Israel is God's chosen folks. But now we see what's happening here. Jesus on his mission, he's getting to the end of his mission here. And now on verse 20, we see these Greeks are desiring to see Jesus. He says, sirs, we would see Jesus. What was happening here is that they were starting to come to Jesus, the Gentiles. You know, the Gentiles were starting to come to Jesus. And Jesus, so, so Jesus' disciples goes and say, hey, these Greeks want to see Jesus. You know, they don't have anything to do with, you know, the Gentiles here. They was only dealing with the Jews. You know, when Jesus sent them out by twos, he, he told them not to go to Samaria. That thing bothered me. I'm like, hey, why not? But, you know, he had to deal with the Jews. So, but now the Greeks... Have, are coming to Jesus, they say, hey, the gods that we're worship, they're no good, they're dead, they're not alive, but this Jesus, there's something about this Jesus. So, but now they're coming to see Jesus. And I'm a little confused about Jesus' response here in verse 23. He really didn't acknowledge them. He said, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Jesus had a glimpse at about what was about to happen for these Jews, for these Greeks coming to him. He knew that now when he died, he was going to bear much fruit. You know, we all often love to talk about Jesus and his miracles, healing and you know, t- raising the dead and all that stuff. But Jesus told us, believe it or not, he said greater things than these that you shall do. And I'm like, wow, how, what greater things can we do than that? But you know what those greater things are? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what those greater things are. You know, um, if you look at verse 24, you know, how was Jesus to be glorified? Verse 24, Jesus was to be glorified by dying on the cross for the sins of the world. He says, he who without sin died for the sins of the world. Here's something that's hard for us to grasp. In our, in, our, in our lives today, in a worldly sense. Because listen to this. Jesus says this. Whenever you think of something heavenly and compare it to earthly, it confines us. But listen to this. You know, it says, for us to, um, Christians, we see things that are unseen. So the world said, that's weird. How can you see something that's not there? It also, we conquer by yielding. We find rest under a yoke. This is confusing. They can't understand that. How can we find rest under uh, under a yoke? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. You shall find rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I tell you. So we, we find rest under a yoke. We reign by serving. What do you mean? If we're reigning, they should be serving us. But we, uh, we reign by serving. We are made great by becoming little. This is confusing. It says uh, we are made free by becoming bond slaves to Jesus. This is confusing. We triumph by defeat. We find victory and glorying in our infirmities. When I'm weak, then am I what? Strong, because it's Christ in you. This is confusing. For, but perhaps the most difficult of them all is that we live by dying. Wow. And this is what Jesus was talking about in verse 24. I want you to get this. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Jesus was limited somewhat in his earthly form because wherever he went, he was just there. He, he didn't have that ominous presence there. So he said, I must die that you may live. Amen. Think about it. I don't think a, if you ever take a 
seed and never plant that in the ground and set it on a shelf somewhere, are you going to get something from that seed? So if you plant that seed, just one, it grows, right? Now, though, that's going to have seed from it. Now, all of them have seeds. If you plant all of them, it's going to grow. You see what's going on here? It gets out of control really quick. You know, remember, if God gave us, gave us something, He wants us to do something with it. What did He tell Adam and Eve in the, in the, in the garden? Be fruitful and what? What if Adam and Eve never multiplied? Would you be here? I don't think so. <laughs> but remember, God planted them so that they can multiply. So remember, God wants us to multiply what He's given us. Now, so we're thinking about this fruit as it multiplies here. Now, what is this fruit that Jesus would bring forth? You know, you know, we, what is this fruit that Jesus would bring forth? He said, um, except the corner wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What is this fruit? I think if Jesus is telling us to bring forth fruit, we should know what this fruit is. Well, I'll keep it simple for you. You are the fruit. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the fruit. Wow. So Jesus had to die to bring forth fruit. And that fruit was us. If you're a born again believer. Now... So Jesus had to die to bring forth this fruit. What did he say in John chapter 15 verse 16? If you would turn there for me. John chapter 15 verse 16. Jesus had to die to bring forth fruit. Let's see what he says here. Everybody there? He says, ye have not chosen me. Don't Don't forget about it. But I have chosen you. Listen to this, He not only chose you, but He ordained you. Well, we want to be ordained. No. But He's already ordained us. He's already set you aside and equipped you to do what? That ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit, what? Should remain. It's going to be good fruit. That whatsoever, oh, this is the good part. And whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. Good Lord Almighty. I want to break this down to you because I think we often get confused here. Don't miss it. We often confuse the fruits of the Spirit that Galatians chapter 5 talks about as opposed to the fruit of a Christian. Those are totally different. Now make no mistake about it, the fruit of the Spirit must be in you before you can get fruits of a Christian. Okay, the fruits of the Spirit must be in you because once you receive the Holy Spirit, those fruits manifest themselves out to produce more fruit. Remember, he said that they say that they, that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. So if those fruits are in you, they're going to come out, people are going to gravitate to you, and then you're going to say, it's all about Jesus. So then you'll be producing much fruit. But remember, if Jesus chose you, that's amazing. He plucked you out for a purpose. If He plucked you out, guess what? He wants you to do something. It's just like the parable that we read before some time ago about He gave these talents to all three people, right? He gave one, one, He gave one, two, and one, ten, I think, or five, something like that. But what it is, when He came back for reckoning, he went with each one and said, hey, what do you got? One said, hey, I had five. I doubled it. So I gave you ten. One had two. He doubled it. Or did I, I'm getting that wrong. I might get the numbers wrong. But you see that there's a doubling. But then the one that he gave one, he said, oh, I was afraid and I hid it. He said, at the least you could have done was gave it to the money exchangers that it will give me fruit. God wants you to produce. God wants you to produce. And we produce fruit by this. This is how we produce fruit. We produce fruit by abiding in the vine. John chapter 15 verse 5 says this. I am the vine and ye 
are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So if you see what's going on here, we see he first tells us that we need to bring forth fruit. We bring forth fruit by having the fruit, the, the fruit of the, um, the Spirit in us, and then that produces the, the manifestation of the Spirit comes out and we produce fruit. But then he says when we abide in Him, we produce much fruit. Remember, the Bible tells us that when He sees us producing fruit, singular there, He purges us. And what does that purge? Anybody do gardening? What does that do? Why do you purge something? That it'll grow more. So man, he's going to squeeze all of it out of you. (laughs) He wants more. You know, there's a little saying that says, Good, better, best. Never let it rest. Until your good is better. And your better is blessed. Not best, but blessed. When God bless it, you're going to produce abundantly. You're going to produce abundantly. So, wow, this fruit, this fruit that Jesus was talking about was a believer. And we see that in John chapter 15, 16, he says, go bring forth fruit. I think that's the confusing part. A lot of people like to say, hey, you know, I don't have to go out and witness to people. But God gives a command to go. See, so that's why when I say you compare Galatians chapter 5 to the fruit of a Christian, we know that it's not the fruit of the Spirit because that's the inside. We don't have to go anywhere to get that. But we have to go out and get the fruit. So big difference there. Don't miss that. He wants us to go. Jesus gives us the command to go. Check out Mark, um, Luke chapter 14, 23. It says this, And the Lord said unto the servant, Wow, go out into the highways and hedges. And to do what? Compel them to come in, that my house may be full. I don't know if you put that into context. I don't know if you know. There was a marriage going on. And Jesus, these people invited all these people. But then they had something come up. They couldn't come. Then he sent his servants out. Are we his servants? He sent his servants out. He said, go get them. That my house may be full. So he sent them out to go. And I don't know if you know about this. But there's a great marriage about to happen. Between the church and Jesus Christ. The question is, will there be visitors there? Will there be fruit there to praise and glorify the Lord during this time? There's a great marriage going on and we need to be ready. So he tells us to go. Mark chapter 15, 6, uh, Mark chapter 16, 15 says this. And he says unto them, go ye into the world and do what? Preach the gospel to every creature. God wants us to bear fruit. Jesus Christ gave his life to bear fruit. As we celebrate Christmas, that babe in a manger, the bread of life in a manger, are we going to tell people about that? That's the true message of Christmas. And I thank God that we are having a Christmas service. Most churches say, hey, we're going to have it on Saturday night. They don't want to be inconvenienced. But let me tell you, whenever you serve God, you're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be inconvenienced. I tell you, a church said they don't want to have church service on Christmas. That's crazy. Anybody think that's crazy? All right, I think it's crazy too. I didn't want to be the only one that didn't think that was crazy. So we talked about, um, listen to this, Psalms chapter 126, verse 6. Listen to this. Oh, this is good. I tell you, I do this on Saturday. It says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Once again, he tells us to go. So we know that the fruit of the Spirit is not the same thing as the fruit of a Christian. Now we look at um, verse 24. We talked about that Jesus said, Except this corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. 
In order to follow Jesus Christ and bearing fruit, we must die to ourselves. And we must die to our priorities. We must die to our possessions. And we must die even to our talents, our personalities, our talents. You know, Luke chapter 9, 59 to 56 tells us a story. It tells us about these this people wanted to follow Jesus Christ. He said unto the, and he said, they said one to another, Follow me, but he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But listen to this. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Wow. It says, and another also said, Lord, I'll follow, I will follow thee, but first I must go and bid my family farewell, which are at home. And listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto them, you better get this. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You must leave it all. It's all or nothing. 99 and a half just won't do. 100% is what he requires. So this was simply talking about your priorities is what this, this was talking about. We have a lot of things we're doing. Make no mistake about it. I'm very busy. But when it comes to telling someone about Jesus, everything must stop. There's nothing greater than that. So this is what's talking about priorities. The next thing, your possessions. We all know in Luke chapter 18, verse 22 to 24, this was this rich young ruler. This guy, very smart. Did well for himself. He made a lot of money. He wanted to follow Jesus. He knew that Jesus was the bread of life. He said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus said, okay, you're going to follow me. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and follow me. The rich young ruler said he couldn't do it. The cost was too high. He wasn't willing to give it all to Jesus. With Jesus, it's got to be all or nothing. So the rich young ruler turns around and Jesus goes on to say, it'll be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than the rich enter into the kingdom of God. Don't let your money rule your life. Turn it over to the Lord. Then also we talked about the seed of your personality, your talents. Look at Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. It says this. Oh, this don't turn there. I'll give you a minute there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. So first we talked about the seed of your priorities, your time, turning that over to the Lord. All of it belongs to Him anyway. Then we talked about your possessions, your treasure. It belongs to Him anyway. Oh, while I'm there on the possession, did you know that if you're a Christ, if you're a part of Christ, you're a steward? Did you know that? You're a servant. Do you know that? Servants don't own anything. <laughs> I just want to let you know that. If you're a servant, you don't own it anyway. You're, it's his anyway, so what are you not? Come on now. I just wanted to give you that one. Uh, verse 3 says, all right, you're, you're the seat of your personality. Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. Listen to this. Oh, wow. It says, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But listen to verse 7, it hits you hard here. But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You must deny yourself. You must die to yourself. And when Jesus, God's Son, humbled himself and became obedient unto the death of the cross, I think we need to do the same thing. We need to do the same thing. But made himself a no reputation. A lot of times our personalities get in the way of us serving God. But you got You can't just say this is just the way I am. We'll change it. Kill it. If that's the way you are, 
joke them. Exactly. Kill them. Because we have to do what Christ says. We have to do what Christ says. So remember, your priorities, your possessions, and your personality must die to Jesus Christ. It must be all or nothing. Listen to verse, and this is basically what verse 25 was saying in our text here. It says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. So we think we're doing all good. You know, we're loving it. We're doing all this stuff. We're doing all this big stuff. But we're actually losing our lives. We're actually losing it. We think we're in control. Satan lets you think you're in control, but that joker driving all the time. He's driving all the time. So, he, so you're loving his life, but he said, if you love this life, you shall lose it. But he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it into life eternal. You know, the scripture says, what does it profit a man to what? Gain the whole world and lose his soul. Doing all this stuff, it's good stuff, but it's the, the blessed stuff. It's got to be blessed. It's got to be blessed. Now verse 26 here, I want you to listen to this question here. If you get this question, put it in context. I'm almost done, believe it or not. Verse, it says this, verse 26, here's the question I want to ask you. When does the Father honor us? That's the question, get ready for that. And when do we glorify Him? Okay, you get this question? When does the Father honor us? Verse 26 will tell you. Here's what it says. If a man, oh gosh, if a man serve me, now remember he has the bread of life. Serve the bread, you get it? If a man serve me, did you get it? Hallelujah, you should have had a hallelujah on that one. He said, if a man serve me, the bread of life, I'm giving that bread to someone else. Serve him. He didn't talk about serve him, waiting on hand and feet. Serve him unto the world. Goodness, that was good. Now it says, if a man serve me, let him what? Follow me. Wow. That follow him just not church people. It's just not church. Coming here doing all this good stuff. It's serving him in the world. We do a lot of good stuff. Good, better, best. Never let it rest. But let your good be better. And do your better is blessed. I'm back here. Verse 6, 26 here. It says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. And listen to this. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. What are you talking about? God's going to honor me? Because I'm serving the world the bread of life. Wow. We're serving the world, the bread of life. And God will honor us when we do that. John chapter 15, verse 8. Turn there, please. Listen to the John chapter 15, verse 8. So that's how the Father honors us. Now, how can we glorify Him? John 15, 8 says this. Herein is my Father glorified. What? That ye bear much fruit. If you want to please the Father, you must tell the world about the Son. And then, He said, the Father will be glorified. We must be about the Lord's business. You know, I like it when Jesus was around 12 years old. I don't know if you remember the story, but there was a feast and they went up for preparation. There was a group of people went up with Jesus, Mary and all of them. And then Jesus got separated. Everybody remember this? Jesus got separated. Where was Jesus at? He, who said it? He was like, Jesus was in the temple preaching. This guy's 12 years old. And they're like, man, this guy's awfully smart. You know, isn't this Mary's and Joseph baby? I'm like, wow. But listen, and then Mary, his mom, you know, I think it was two or three days that had went by that they couldn't find Jesus. Oh, but that mama finally got to him, Mary. Mary finally, finally, Jesus, where have you been? Oh, and don't forget Jesus' response. He said, I must. Oh, no doubt about it. I must be about my father's business. 
Nothing else is more important than that. So Jesus found Mary found Jesus and he told him, I must be about my father's business. Also, I'm reminded when Jesus and his disciples was taking a trip. And then they say, well, hey, we got to go this way. But Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? He said, I must go through Samaria. They're like, why does he got to go there? It's longer that way. That don't make sense. But he said, I must go through Samaria. If you ever know what happened there, he met who at the well? He met the woman at the well and saved her soul. That's why he had to go through Samaria. Wow. He said, I must go through Samaria. Wow, because I must be about my father's business. There's no greater thing than to be about my father's business. And this is what Jesus was talking about in verse 27. We're on to verse 27 now. So verse 27, let me read it again. It says, now is my soul troubled. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He's God, he's God in the flesh. He knows the end before the beginning. He says, now my soul is troubled. Oh, Lord. And what shall I say? He's asking a rhetorical question here. He says, Father, save me from this hour. But Lord, he goes on and say, but for this cause came I. He was saying, I know it's going to be painful. I know they're going to beat me. I know they're going to crucify me, hang me on the cross. But for this cause, I came unto this hour. Satan's about to be defeated here. He said, nevertheless... Matthew 26, 39 says, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now this is that old flesh, you know, that body that's trying to hold on. But God, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He, you know, that, that old flesh, oh, can you just let that cup pass from me? But no, the spirit, the God in him. Said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus sweated drops of blood. That was agony. I mean, can you imagine? You know you're about to get the pain of your life. You know that God is about to pour the wrath of the entire world upon your back. And then he's going to turn his back on you. It was great for Jesus. And it said he was, his soul was troubled. But I like his conclusion. He said, but for this cause came I. And that cause was to bear much fruit. If Jesus did not ever die on that cross, we would not be here. He paid the ultimate price. He denied everything, his times, talents, and treasure, that he must be about the Father's business. I want you, as you go through your um, season of Christmas, New Year's, and all of this, and ask yourself the question, what have you done for him? He gave you the gift. What have you done for Him? Remember, there's only one way to glorify the Father is that you bear much fruit. That's the only way. Is that you bear much fruit. I like what Galatians chapter 2.20 says. And this is where you need to be. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Have you reckoned yourself as dead? Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In a life which now I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me. And listen to this. Love always gives and gave himself for me. What are you giving Jesus? It's got to be the best. Look at your lives and just think about all that he's done. All that you can do. Yeah, you may be doing good stuff. But remember, He wants much fruit. He wants much fruit. Now I'll wrap it up here. How can we continue the mission 
that Jesus put us on. One, we must first make sure that we have that we are abiding in the vine. In other words, we must first make sure that we're saved. Because I'm telling you folks, you better understand the scripture. The scripture says, by their fruits, you shall what? Know them. If you're not producing any fruits, what did Jesus do to the tree that wasn't producing fruit? There you go. There you go. But James 1, 2, 22 says this, be, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Some, sometimes we, Satan can just have us so full thinking that we're saved and we're not. I'm telling you the proof of your salvation is are you bearing fruit? Make no mistake about it. He said the fruits, you shall know them by their fruit. You can't go to an orange tree and think it's an apple. How would you know that it's an orange tree? By its what? Fruit. So simple. But yet we miss it. Yet we miss it. So one, we must focus on telling others the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And then this, purpose in your heart to follow Jesus. You'll never do anything until you decide that you want to do it. A lot of people want to be successful. But they don't do anything to make preparations for it. To be successful, you one must first prepare to be successful. And what is success? I think Joshua 1.8 tells us good success is what? Following Jesus. I'm going to turn to it real quick. Joshua 1.8 real quick. What is good success? Everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to be successful. And remember, success should not be based on what the world calls success. Right? We need to base success on what God says success is. Joshua 1.8 tells us what success is. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Listen to this. That thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then shall thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You will have no success outside of God. And you got to get into this book. You got to get into the book. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, The volume of this book is written of me. From Genesis to Revelation, you see Jesus everywhere. You see Jesus everywhere. So one, we need to focus on telling others the gospel. Then we need a purpose in our heart. And then we need to separate ourselves from the world. Romans 12, 1-2 tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Remember, if you're Christ, he says your body is no more your own anyway. Don't forget that. He said your body is no more your own, but you have been bought with the price. And what is that price? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it says, present your body living sacrifice. It says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will. Folks, it's a sad day when Christians are following the world. If you cannot look at someone and see what fruits they're producing and don't know whether they are part of God's family or part of the world, it's a sad day. Because remember, if the fruit of the Spirit is in you, it's going to come out. You can't hide it. The Bible says you can't set it under a bushel, but your light will shine. So wherever you go, you are going to be a witness. But even more than that, he tells us we need to go. You know, you know, you know. my mom told me, go to the store. If she never told me, you think I would have went? I would have kind of sat there and watched TV, but she said, go. Jesus was telling us to go. He was telling us to go. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. You know, it's just like that woman at the well. When Jesus told her, what did she do? Anybody know what she did? Come on. Look, look she's nudging him. He, he's got some spirit back. What did he do? What did he do? What did he do? Yeah, what did she do? With the lady. Yeah. She asked Jesus why, why. She wasn't, but Jesus wasn't 
the Jews wasn't supposed to associate with That's right. That's right. And, 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 and Jesus told her about her husband. That's right. But after all of that, after Jesus got through for what the what did she go do? She went and spread it. She went and spread it. That's a, he finally got to what I wanted. That's right. He went and spread it. She didn't wait to take the class. She didn't wait for the feeling. She received Jesus. Whenever you receive Jesus, you will go. You will go. You will go. You would go. Now we talked about this mission that Jesus said. He says, for this cause came I. I said I was done. I'm almost done here. He said, for this cause I came I. What was this cause? What was this cause? In case you didn't know. Let me help you here. What was this cause? This is what Jesus' cause was. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Man, I got I gotta hurry up here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. It says, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and you might become fishers of men. Oh, that ain't gonna work, is it? He says, He says unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Is that an option? If you follow him, it will happen. If Jesus says something, it will happen. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So think about that. If I'm following him, I will become fishers of men. Greater works than these you shall do. We have more resources at our hands during that time that Jesus was born. We can do great things to reach many people. For Jesus Christ. We can do great things. So we're still talking about what was this mission. Here's what I want you to see here. This is good. I'm getting to it here. John chapter 17 verse 18. I got two more and I'm going to get out of here. John chapter 17 verse 18. Listen to this. And thou hast sent me. He's talking about God the Father here. Into the world. Even so. I also sent them into the world. This is Jesus talking about. What was his mission? He was on his mission of bringing forth fruit. And he said, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And Jesus said, hey, I'm sending you into the world. But he says, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. Um, John 17, 20 says, Neither pray I for these alone. In other words, the ones that he was sending out. He says, but I also... What? He says, but for them also that believeth on me through their words. Our task is simple. He says, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. But the good news is, he chose you. He ordained you. He prayed for you. It's taken care of. We simply got to go. But we don't want to go. If you don't want to go, you need to think about why you're not going. Why you're not going. In verse Luke 19.10, and I'm going to read two more and I'm out of here. Luke 19.10 says this. For the Son of Man is come. What did He come to do? What did He come to do? To seek and to save that which is lost. That's what He came to do. What did you come to do? He said, if you're following me, you're going to bring forth fruit. He says, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. If we're following him, should we seek and save that which is lost? Should be the same thing. 1 Timothy chapter 1.15 says this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. This is what... Timothy was saying. So just to recap here real quick here. We see that Jesus Christ when the when the when the Greeks came and desired to see him, Jesus really didn't respond to them, but he says, "For this hour is come, the son of man should be glorified." He knew that it was about to happen. It was all coming together. The Greeks are now seeking him. And he knew that for this cause, 
He was going to die. He leads us to example that in order for us to live, we must die. And that dying means to everything. Our times, our talents, our treasures, everything we must die to. And then Jesus said, He, came, he, he died that he, that he can bring forth much fruit. That was the ultimate fruit. That was the ultimate fruit. He died so that he can bring forth. This was the cause that Jesus came to die on the cross to bring forth much fruit. That bread of life laid in a manger, God prepared him perfectly. That bread of life. And he says, hey, follow me. In other words, serve me to the world. Serve this bread of life. Take, eat, this is my body. Drink, this is my blood. Serve him. That's not talking about all this stuff that we're doing. We need to serve Him to the world. And then we talked about the differences between the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of a Christian. We know that the fruit of the Spirit is inside. The Holy Spirit um, comes within us and these things manifest themselves. But the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. It's pretty simple. And then we gain by losing. We must surrender all. And then... We, can, we, are, we glorify the Father by bringing forth much fruit. And we honor Him by following His Son. And then just remember, we must be sold out all the way. We must be sold out all the way. And as James says, be not just um, doers of the word. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own self. So we cannot be cannot be deceived. We must be about God's business. So as you go through Christmas, this Christmas season, tell them about the bread of life. Check yourself. You'll know a tree by its fruits. And then we'll see God do great and mightiest things. Let's pray. Father God, we come once again just thanking you for your message. I'm just so always amazed how you show up. And Lord God, how you show us these simple things about you. Lord God, we pray that we are connected to the vine. That we can bring forth much fruit. We're going to pause for a moment, moment, Lord, for those that are not connected to the vine. It is for this reason, it's for this cause that you came. So we're going to ask you to bow your heads right now. And I want you to think about that babe that's in a manger. The question is, have you tasted of the bread of life? So for those of you that have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is your time. This season is for you. Do you remember a time in your life that you gave your life over to Jesus Christ? That you surrendered to Him? Think about that. Have you surrendered to the bread of life? That's the question. You know, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes everyone. No one's excluded. But then he goes on and says, But the gift of God is eternal life. And what? That life is in His Son. Think about it. To be saved is pretty simple. You, one, must recognize you are a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Because that was a purpose Christ came. Then you must recognize that Jesus Christ died for you. That most importantly, He rose again on that third day. And all you have to do is like Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I'm going to ask um, a couple of people to come up with me. We're going to wait for you. I'm going to ask Brother Joe to come up, Strickland, Nate, and Mary to come up. And we're going to stand up here with you as you ponder this thought. Have you partaken of the bread of life? And if you haven't, I ask that you get up out of your seat. Walk down the aisles. We'll be here waiting for you to tell you about the bread of life. We'll take just a moment. This is your time. It's for this cause that He came to seek and to save that which is lost. If you've never done it, it's your time. Get up off your seat. Don't look around. But come.
come and say, hey, I need to take part of this bread of life. Will you come? Jesus is standing here with his arms wide open. Will you come? Will you come? The offer still stands. Will you come? Okay. We'll go to the next group. If you have been saved and you know you're not producing fruit, if you know you're not a, if you're not following Jesus to the fullest, you're just following him on the shore. He wants to get closer. He wants you to follow him in the boat, not just from the shore. If you know that you're on that shore, it's your time to get up off your seat and say, Lord, I want to follow you more. Would you come to the front? Would you make that commitment today that, Lord, I'm going to follow you in producing much fruit? I'm talking to the saved now. So would you come? Who wants to make a, make a difference in the world? Who wants to produce good fruit? Would you come? You still have a few more time, few minutes. Would you come? Jesus is asking you to bear much fruit. Would you come? Are you willing to follow him all the way? Alright, let's pray. Father God, we come once again just thanking you for your word. Your word have went forth. And Lord, your promise is ever true that it will not return void. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity, this privilege to give your word. And we pray, Lord, that it produces much fruit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.